fourth try. You're looking at me. <laughs> no. I'm not. I'm going to tell them everything. Yes. Roundtable. Uh, <laughs> this is the first one of 2021. So. All right. Well, we thank you guys for tuning into these roundtables. I hope that you have missed them at least. That would make us feel pretty good. Um, this is actually our fourth try trying to get this first round table to you in 2021. Uh, it's an interesting, important topic we wanted to start the year off with. But for those of you who don't know, round tables are just kind of our way, especially during this time where there might be a bit more isolation, a bit more standoffishness uh, when it comes to participation and fellowship and gathering, uh, just to kind of dig a little deeper into the scriptures, dig a little deeper to who we are as a church here at Amelia Baptist, and also to really answer your questions. Uh, and everything we do, we want it to be Christ-centered, but we also want to look for opportunities where a pastoral staff can serve you and walk through the Word with you. And so that is why we always have Pastor Neil Helton with us, a um, man who needs no introduction, but I gave him one anyway. Um, and he's here, and we're going to be discussing a really important uh, sort of topic that's uh, quite pertinent to where we are as a church, uh, the plurality of pastors. And so, Pastor, I'll just give him a little bit of a framework here. But sure. in, in Amelia Baptist Church uh, in 2001, I'm sorry, 2011, uh, we took the step to move to a more biblical and historical Baptist model of leadership. And the way we did this was we activated the office of elders. And, and so I personally think we have been very blessed uh, making that decision and, and looking at that. But today we're really discussing why we did it. Well, um, I've always, it's part of my personality to be a consensus leader. Uh, there are some men who are very good at administration and uh, uh, CEO, uh, CEO types, and I don't mean that in any derogatory way. It's a gift. Um, I'm just not one of those guys. And I wondered for a long time, you know, Lord, why am I a pastor of a church? Because so many conferences and seminars that I went to, it was these uh, wonderful men who had successful ministries in larger churches. Yeah. And I just didn't fit that profile. So um, I really had to do just a lot of searching and asking God, why am I here? And uh, part of that was I began to see more and more uh, writings, even within Baptist uh, framework, about eldership mm. and the plurality of elders and being a part of something that you don't feel like you're the lone guy. You're not the senior guy. You're not the lead guy. Uh, even though my function has always been the pulpit. Yeah. And, um, and so I believe it's benefited us for three reasons. Number one, I believe that it is a biblical model. Uh, number two, our church has been so blessed to have spirit filled men in this church who know the scriptures, who can teach, and who love this church, so they're not just administrative type, uh, brainy guys, right, you know, yeah. that you would think you want to be on a board. Uh, these are guys who truly are showing and demonstrating that they have a pastor's heart. Exactly. And then the third reason is that uh, the elders place our relationship with each other and our relationship with the Lord and our relationship with the church above personal agenda. Sure. And that's very important. We all come from different places. Some of us come from out west. Some of us come mm -hmm. from up north. I'm, I'm from Florida. Uh, you're, uh, you're from almost Florida, Nassau oh. County yeah. here in Florida. It's its own state. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, and so we come from different experiences, different backgrounds. Yeah. But once we look at what the Bible says and um, that we're to love one another. Sure. 
then that actually has a tremendous positive effect on the decisions that are made and how we lead the church. And so I want to make something very clear because this is where we're going. We're going to see what the Bible has to say about this. This is what we want to talk about. We want to see what Jesus has to say about this and, and the apostles. Uh, but but this is this can seem rather controversial or at least like we're trying to present some type of competition. And I want to make sure that people hear our hearts and know that's not what we're trying to do. Um, it, it's just like you said, some people can really take that senior pastor nomenclature, that, that title, and run with it as a position and sort of row the boat themselves and, and have the accountability and maybe have deacons in place to serve the church. But we, we, what we see in modern church culture is not a plurality of pastors being one head sort of under the authority of Scripture, being led by the Holy Spirit, serving Christ. Uh, we see one kind of head honcho guy who's the senior pastor, and then at the table are sort of a lot of vice president pastors who have um, an agenda that week and can walk up to the table and sort of present almost like an offering. Here's what I brought to the church. What are your thoughts on it? Senior pastor who's been called to this role. So, so I know it has this sort of inclination to be controversial, but we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We don't. It's a, I think it's a normal thing. We think in business type hierarchy terms. Yeah. You said it this past Sunday, you said for, for a church that that prides themselves on being congregationally led. And if anyone wants to hear about those models, exactly Pastor Neil's sermon, Christ the Head of the Church, that was out uh, the first Sunday in February this past weekend. Listen to that. It'll tell you everything you need to know about it. Um, But one thing you said for uh, for Baptist churches who take pride in being congregational, we sure develop our hierarchies too, don't we? We just don't call them hierarchies. Well, I mean, we take pride in saying that that is not true. Uh, But... uh, as a church grows and you hire people, there really is a business model that kind of goes along with it. And to some degree, it may be unavoidable. The question is, how can we put biblical principles uh, within a modern day church structure? And that's what we want to talk about that's exactly when we get into right. the New Testament. So let's yeah. do that. So if one studies how Paul started and organized churches in the New Testament, as we see sort of the New Testament church build through the book of Acts and through the Pauline letters and John's writings and Peter's writings, uh, you plainly see a plurality of eldership. And so the question now, not only did Baptists of the past recognize this validity of plural eldership, which we'll get to in a second, but the question we face now is, does a plurality of eldership include the idea of a plurality of pastors in the same church as well? How is that the same thing? That's well, what people want to know. Why is I know, that the same I'm, That is really true. Um, our church uh, in 2011 unanimously voted for us to go into eldership. Um, they understood that it had been a, pa- uh, a past uh, history among Baptists mm-hmm. uh, before the 1963 Baptist Faith and Message right. to 1925. Clearly had pastors, elders, and deacons a part of it. I think where we've gotten hung up is that uh, there are different forms of government Uh, in different denominations because of the word episkopos, which Mm -hmm. there's Episcopal form of government. So that has a whole hierarchy. Uh, The word elder uh, is uh, a Presbyterian form of government if the elders uh, are the legal arm and the the hierarchy uh, as a group. We as a congregational church, uh, we take that from uh, Peter, that says that we are a royal priesthood and the priesthood of all believers, so to speak. So we don't believe in this two-tier type of uh, organization uh, when um, 
uh, when we're all a part of the priesthood. Right. So you and I may get paid for our function within the body, but our real function is to equip the saints to do priesthood work. Right. And so, and you made sure to make sure there wasn't a distinction between the priests and the people, but that we were all not only equal at the foot of the cross, but as we serve in different functions, and we're not trying to deny the existence of leadership here, because right. we would never say that. There, there's callings, there's talents, there's giftings, there's responsibilities, there's functions within the body of believers, but there is a priesthood of believers that are built for the same thing, the same mission. And we, and we wanted to make sure that was very clear as we discussed titles and, yeah. and building the hierarchy from within the church. Well, and, titles, you know, we, we get... Uh, I don't want to say just say that we get hung up on words, but words mean something. Right. Uh, for instance, when Paul wrote to Titus, mm-hmm. um, he said, this is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders plural in every town that I've directed. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, the children are believers, not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. So what we have here is that we have the word elders and overseer, which is from the uh, Greek word episkopos, mm-hmm. uh, bishop. So an elder is a an bishop. O- an overseer. Right. And then we also get to see Paul in uh, Acts twenty twenty eight talking to the elders of Ephesus. He said, pay a careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you episkopos, bishops, overseers, to take care of the church of God who obtained it with his own blood. Mm. In Ephesians, uh, we have uh, in chapter 4, verse 11, uh, is the only time the word pastor, the English word pastor is used, and in the ESV, it's even called shepherd. So the whole idea then is for us to um, look at elder, episkopos, and pastor, and overseer, all as the same um, meaning, same group of people. So that's why we can officially declare, and, and we hope this is very clear, that all of this indicates that the office of pastor is identical to the office of elder. Biblically speaking, all elders our pastors. And, and then we talk about that a lot because we probably haven't done the best job of making sure people get a, a look inside an elder council or talk about that openly enough or even see their elders here. Cause there's several throughout the years, um, all awesome men of God who have way more experience in ministry than me, most of them. And we, we see that they're probably not presented out front as much, maybe in a teaching capacity or any other gifting, a speaking capacity or singing capacity. If you and think I of, think that's a normal reaction, is that whoever isn't up front, whoever is doing the teaching is seen as the lead or the head. But really when we sit down at the table, right. like you said, um, we listen to one another that's because important. we love each other, right. we respect one another. And any person who thinks that, um, you know, that they have all the answers, um, that's that can lead toward disaster for a whole and, and I think that's important to talk about. We probably don't talk about that enough. That's a really controversial issue. Um, I again want to make sure that all of this is said in humility and in love, but I think yeah. you and I are just sick of opening up uh, an article or seeing a, a post online about a pastor who has the same job we do, but felt like it was all on his shoulders, either took his own life or left the ministry, had moral failures, split with his wife. 
I mean, I'm not saying that this is a surefire way. Oh my goodness. I'm not just saying that our, our building the elders this way, you know, makes us perfect moral men. Oh my gosh. It's exactly the opposite as to why we want the plurality of pastors. Right. And openness right. and transparency um, is really important to keep our sinful nature in check. Yeah. And so to, for that, we'll, we'll kind of end on this point because I think this will be a popular question back. And if anyone's watching and you have a question, please put that in the comments of uh, the Facebook post or the YouTube channel. We would love to hear that and, and, and know where you are with this, really. We, I think we're very eager to hear where people are. But what happens uh, when a church hires a man to be the main speaking pastor or elder of the church? Because I want this to sort of flow into your idea of something called mutual submission. Right. And that really takes it home why we are so strong on this plurality of pastors here at ABC. Well, we see mutual submission. It's behind closed doors among the elders. Right. But you know what? That also works in our relationship with uh, committee chairs. Um, uh when we talk to committee chairs, they want to know our perspective of things, but we don't rule that over them. And what we do is that we try to listen to them because they're closer Mm. to that particular aspect of the organization. And we want to listen to them when it comes to hiring. Uh, it's, it's just a normal process that, uh, usually a, a second pastor comes in as an associate pastor. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's a term of subordination. And uh, I think that's a natural way of looking at it. The question is, is it the biblical way uh, that we see in the scriptures? Right. And uh, I look at you as uh, a pastor along with me. And even though I've been here 30 years, you've been here six, six years, um, I'm twice your age. You bring something into my ministry and to my understanding of our congregation that I lack. Right. And so you become to, in some of our conversations, the first among equals, right? Because you actually have a closer understanding of what needs to be done. I think you, you hit it out of the park there. And I think one reason we, we talk about this so openly and hope to talk about it more. And, um, I'll let you end on that, that quote from Matt that you, that you love and that I think brings it all together for us. But before we do, uh, we know that people can't just be a fly on the wall of our elder meetings and they can't really see how it works. And so we just want to do our best to sort of remain transparent and show them No, we really understand that the person speaking the majority of the sermons is going to be visualized or seen as maybe the senior pastor or head guy, because you're going up against 70 years of, of sort of church, biblical, evangelical, or Baptist church. And that's just the way it's been done. And, and we're not faulting anyone for that. And we're certainly not making any judgments. And I don't think we believe our way of leading the church is the only way. Uh, other, and others are not sinful. Right. It's in, not unbiblical. No, we aren't saying if you aren't structured this we, way, it's bad. I, I think our the, the biblical principle really comes down to uh, a submission to each other Mm -hmm. is sanctifying in our own lives. I agree. We have a tendency, uh, you know, the the old saying that power corrupts and ultimate power corrupts ultimately. Uh, And some of these uh, giants of the faith have fallen because there may have been lack of accountability. Yeah. So, right. um, So it's just sanctifying in our own lives. I'd like to uh, read a quote by Matt Tibby, mm. uh, who has uh, been a pastor, and he was in a mutual submissive uh, uh, leadership position in their church. Right. 
And here's what he says, mutually submissive leadership outside of my marriage was the single greatest sanctifying experience of my life. Yeah. I mean, we have to leave pride at the door yeah. when we are in our elder council. And we want to lead the church and serve the church. And we made the reference of, of leading servants and servant leaders when it came to the elders and the deacons during our, our Timothy series a couple of years back, a few yeah. years back. And I think that still stands. Um, and I want to make sure we end on this note because this is what we're about as a church. Um, we talk about elders uh, serving the congregation in a congregationally led church that is driven by the Holy Spirit and the mission of Christ. But let us never forget, all of this is under the authority of Scripture. And all of this is because Christ is the head of the church. What you meant by mutual submission and sanctification. Well, who do you think yeah. is sanctifying us? I mean, yeah. this whole thing is under Jesus, by Jesus, for Jesus, Jesus in Jesus. And I just want to make sure that that we're not seen from the outside as men just trying to change the system for fun or trying to reinvent the wheel. This isn't what this is about. This is to, to aim for holiness and righteousness because Jesus is holy and righteous. And that's what we want of our church. In our particular church, and unfortunately, this move toward eldership may or may not have worked in other churches, and I don't know why. Mm. Um, we have been tremendously blessed spiritually there have been some great movements of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they just came, and it didn't come from either one of us as paid staff. Mm -hmm. You know, it came in a prayerful, considerate, thoughtful conversation about what is the greatest need in our congregation among the elders. And, um, and then we just, and we just bow to that yeah. because the Holy Spirit, we, we want to listen to him and give him the authority right. here. And then we go to the congregation and we say, we sense that this is uh, where the Lord's leading us and uh, we want to share this with you and we want to know what you think. And as a congregationalist system, they really have the final authority in these things. Well, it is not lost on my wife and I how blessed we are to have had ABC really be one of our first places of service and still to be here for seven years and to look forward to congregational meetings because they're just a great time together and how that sort of goes up against that stereotype of church business meetings. And that is reflecting of the church and, and I believe the leadership uh, that the church has elected. And so I'm just really excited to see what the future of our church brings uh, when it comes to the mission of Christ. And so our roundtables hopefully will be out uh, on Fridays, uh, Dylan and Clay. We'll be around there as well. And uh, this Sunday, I'm up uh, during in our Christology series. Yeah. Um, our I'm Sunday series. It. Yeah, it's the uh, Great I Am. Yeah. Um, so we'll be in John 8 there, uh, the latter part. And I'm excited about that. That'll be at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. services. There's plenty of social distancing. Um, a lot of people wearing masks. Still trying to be safe here, of course. And 1045 will be live streamed on Facebook and YouTube. But Pastor Neil, thank you so much for going over this material. This is like the fourth or fifth time we've done this because of technical difficulties. So I really hope this one sticks. Maybe the Lord knew we needed to say it and hear it again. Yeah, no. So that it because <laughs> I don't think so. The problem was during the first one, I wore my Mandalorian shirt and Jesus struck it down. He's like, you will not conflate the two. We made too many Star Wars references in the previous ones. And so that was just too pagan. We, I had my Yoda cup. <laughs> yeah, you had right. your it was idol worship. Grogu cup. <laughs> and so I think it wasn't good. I think your cup 
really does symbolize a, uh, yes. a secular I view went this, of, a, of a great spirit. I felt like I'd angered the Lord in the last one, so I went with a Presbyterian minister and Mr. Rogers. You know, and I have my sweater on. It's just not that a was not cardigan sweater. <laughs> well, thank you, sir, <laughs> okay. and uh, we will see everybody on the next roundtable. All right. Dylan? Thanks, Dylan. All right. And cut.